Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Get Well Church. Glad that you are here this morning. Uh, my name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus. Glad that you're here, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, however and wherever. Uh, and if you're our guest, we're so glad that you are here today. Uh, I pray and hope that today you receive something by being here. Uh, it's been a great morning so far, and don't expect any less for the rest of the morning. So, all right. Let's jump in. We're continuing our message series, uh, wrapping it up today. Uh, when Jesus Appears is what we have called this series. Uh, when Jesus Appears, the uh, resurrection encounters. And what we've been looking at are these post-resurrection encounters of Jesus uh, to his disciples. And so God's word tells us that for 40 days, Jesus appeared uh, to his disciples. And as many as 500 at one singular moment. But what he does is he encourages them, right? And he shows them that God has done exactly what he said he was going to do. And so death has been defeated, and that means then that life would never be the same. Now, for the disciples, it's true that when Jesus appears and interacts with them, their life will never be the same from that moment on. And friends, for us as well, life is never the same because Jesus has risen from the grave. And so over the course of this series, we've discovered uh, things like that we can have confidence, right? Uh, how we can have peace and guidance, forgiveness and purpose, all because of the resurrected Jesus. And if you haven't had a chance uh, to listen to any of these uh, either they're all or many or some or however, wherever you are in that, uh, of these messages, I would encourage you to go back and you can take a listen this week. You can go online to youtube.com slash getwellchurchsouthhaven. Uh, there are all the messages from this series and also there are plenty of past series as well uh, if you'd like to go check those out as well. So I would encourage you uh, to do that. But this morning, we're going to talk about yet another aspect of this life change uh, that we find since Jesus has risen from the grave. And we're going to be talking about power. Power. So if you've got a Bible or device you read from, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 3 through 11. Uh, if you're not sure where Acts is, if you find the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts is the next book in the New Testament. Uh, and where our text is picking up today is that Jesus, this is his last encounter, all right, last encounter before he's going to go and ascend, ascend into uh, heaven to take his rightful place there. And so before he does, before he's taken up, he shares some significant news with the disciples, and it's significant for us as well today. So we're going to read Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. He records this, and he gives us a short little recap, and that's what we're going to pick up in verse 3. So let's read these words. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, that's Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After, this, uh, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, when we think about power, what are some of the things that we think of? Uh, One thing that comes to mind for me when I think of power is military might. And friends, we have the best, and I'm going to argue with you on that, this is the best military in all the world that our country has. This military might, anything that, that we can think of. Maybe you think of someone with a specific title, all right? We think of politicians who have a title. They're powerful people. Maybe you think about a, the company you work for, someone with a title, right? Uh, they have some type of power, right? Uh, maybe you think of physical fitness whenever it comes to, to power. I mean, I can bench press not much, and there's some people that can bench press a whole lot more uh, than me. But man, the sheer force and might, right, that someone can have, that's power, Uh, Maybe you think of uh, someone with status or wealth. We think of people in that category as having some type of power, right? Well, during the time of Jesus, the people of Israel, uh, they lived in Palestine and they lived under the rule of the Roman Empire. And that meant that whatever the decrees of the emperor were, they had to follow. Whatever the customs and the culture of the empire, they were supposed to embrace. Uh, This military that the Roman uh, Empire had, they kept the peace, right? Uh, And they had to somehow all coexist with this. Uh, God's people and then these outside uh, forces, right? They were essentially forced to live under the oppression of the Romans because the Romans honestly did not think highly of the Jews at all. And so for God's people in Jesus' day, their entire lives, they had never known anything different than this type of living. But yet they'd heard stories of old. And really, honestly, this, this type of living, this, this, this situation they found themselves in, reminded them a lot of what it was like when God's people were in, uh, in Egypt, right? Uh, living under the oppression of that government, and they longed for the day when God would deliver them. Now, the disciples, followers of Jesus, all of Israel, longed for the day when Jesus, the Messiah, would come and display his power, that he would kind of flex those messianic divine forces, right, and and overthrow the Roman oppressors, that deliverance would come to God's chosen people, and that he would restore what once had been in the past. And so that's why it doesn't really surprise us whenever the the disciples ask this question, right? In verse 6, it shows what they expected. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what I find is that Jesus told them that what they're truly longing for is not exactly what they're expecting. Uh, It's it's actually something even better. Verses 7 and 8 Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus' disciples were looking forward to when Jesus would restore what had been. But Jesus is inviting them into something better in this life than that. It's to something even greater than what God was doing. Notice what uh, Luke recorded in verse 3. He said, uh, he appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. 
This is something that Jesus spoke about over and over when he taught. I mean, between the four Gospels alone, the mention of kingdom is mentioned 126 times. So I want you to argue with me. Seems like Jesus really wanted us to understand something here. It's almost as if Jesus is wanting us to realize that it's not about the kingdom of Israel. It's not about the kingdom of Rome. It's not about the kingdom of us. It's about the kingdom of God. Thank you. That was a good Sunday school answer. So you see, here's the thing, is while we keep kind of jockeying over who's in power, Jesus wants us to realize, the resurrected Jesus wants to understand that there has been a shift in power. Jesus wants them to realize that they've got to shift from what they thought they knew and expected to something better. Like many other things that Jesus talked about uh, during his ministry and time here on earth, it looks like what he's come to do is kind of flip things uh, upside down, right? In reality, what Jesus is doing is actually flipping them back right side up for us. And so for this, there's a shift in what power is and to who has the power. Now, what is this power that Jesus speaks of in verse 8? The Greek word uh, here is the word dynamon. Dynamon. Uh, and it's where we get our English word dynamite from, uh, this word power. And so the Greek word uh, in this context, it carries this kind of definition as the miraculous quality or state of being capable, the ability to function effectively. It's essentially you have been given the power or the might to do something. So you see, since Jesus rose from the grave by the power of God, there's been a shift. We were powerless. We were dead. We were sinners, right? Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless, but now we've been given power in the Holy Spirit. God indwelling us, making us alive, giving us the ability to do what? To function effectively. Without God's power, we do not function effectively. God makes dead people alive. It's his power in us. Another shift that's happened is that those who we, we saw in, who we, who we seemingly thought held power, right? Those who, who had status, wealth, or force, or whatever it is that people try to accomplish on their own, all of those things no longer are the power, but according to Jesus, it's now held within and through the followers of Jesus. And it's that we accomplish things through God's power and not our own, the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we can face the future and move forward with boldness and courage. So a lot like dynamite. Think about dynamite. You've got a big rock and you need it kind of blown up into a bunch of pieces, right? I mean, it sounds fun to play with, uh, but you take and you put it in the, uh, the rock, right? And then you run far away and someone presses a button, right? What power is unleashed as soon as you hit that button? Boom, right? The rock explodes because of the power in that dynamite. Friends, the same is true of that power that Christ has put in us by the Holy Spirit is that as soon as that power is unleashed, there is no going back. And it's going to accomplish what it set out forth to do, right? That kind of power is in us. That kind of force that God wants to accomplish in this world is in us. In the book of Acts, if you just want to see that power on display, if you started in chapter 1 of Acts and went all the way to chapter 28, you would see that power being unleashed. 
And there's this great phrase all throughout the book of Acts that the gospel went forth unhindered. Y'all, that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And the same is true that it went past Acts 28 and we continue to go on through history. There's a reason we all sit in this room today. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of the resurrected Jesus. That's the power that we all can tap into. Now, while that's true, and while we do benefit from the kingdom of God that's breaking into the world even today, I would argue that we tend to live as if it isn't. Unfortunately, I think that we tend to live lives as if the kingdom of God isn't this real thing that one day we're going to all be experiencing fully. We like the sound of it, but yet our lives look no different than those of our neighbors around us that don't believe in Jesus. And I think that we've been deceived into thinking that, that we, what we're living in is just something that really isn't real. But friends, what I want us to help us realize is that we live in what I'm going to call between the times. We live between the times. What I mean by that is that since day one, when Adam and Eve uh, were, were in the garden, God desired with all of his heart to have this personal relationship with, with his people, with, with his creation. But we chose to mess that up because of our sin. You see, uh, this relationship, it became broken and everything because of that has now become different from that point forward. God in his outrageous grace, y'all, when we finally realize what grace truly is, just the significance of that, the full weightiness of what grace is, we understand how outrageous and outlandish and just crazy God is for having that kind of grace over us. He saw our need and he meets our need and he made a way because he sent his son Jesus for us to live a life that none of us could live and then to die the death that, none of, that all of us deserve so that what? What had been broken because of us, God restores and makes whole. What a beautiful thing. And it's because he loves you and me. And so what Jesus came to tell, and he begins his ministry with it, and he continues to teach all throughout his ministry, is that the kingdom of God is near. He teaches us about the kingdom of God, and he invites us into the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus was here on earth, what he wanted us to realize is that the kingdom of God was being inaugurated. It was starting to break into this world. It was here and now, but also it's coming. It's coming. There's one day when Christ will return. Remember the passage from today? Just as you saw him go, he's going to come back. Christ is going to come back. And one day, this kingdom of God that he preached about and he taught about and he invites us into will be fully and 100% realized in the new heaven and the new earth, that day is coming. That day is coming. So when we think about the timeline of redemptive history that we're in, we're in between the times. Uh, the kingdom of God is breaking in here and now, and it's coming. And one way to think about it is it's kind of the already and the not yet, right? Uh, but the power, the point that I'm trying to make here is this, is now that Jesus has risen from the grave, He's ascended into heaven. He's the king over all creation. And we belong to a new kingdom. And friends, if you want to understand this new kingdom, it's the only one that's going to last. Only one that's going to last. Every other kingdom will fall away, but his kingdom will last forever. And we need to follow him. We give our lives to that kingdom. It means that everything about our lives is now wrapped up in the kingdom of God. Not our kingdom, 
but his. So our preferences to our professions, it all is about the business of God's kingdom here and now and on its way. Now, I think it would have been really awesome if Jesus had stuck around, right? I think about all, how awesome it would have been and uh, all the things that he could have done with the place, right? Uh, if he would have just stuck around for a little bit longer. All the bullies could have been taken care of. All these wrongdoers that are, that are hurting others, they could have been taken care of. I think about uh, all the tough situations that Jesus, I mean, if he's right here, he could just kind of take care of, right? But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't stick around. Instead, he ascended and he sits on the throne of heaven with God, our Father. But just because he ascended to his rightful place as king over all creation, it doesn't mean that God's people are left here empty-handed and on their own. We're not. Jesus ascends to assume his role so that we could assume our role in the preparation of the kingdom come. See, he promises the disciples the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Remember verse 8. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This power is not of themselves, but this power is from God. It's the vehicle by which God is going to bring about significant changes in the world. And it's that Holy Spirit power that's going to enable them to faithfully fulfill their mission See, our meager efforts pale in comparison to the Holy Spirit and what he can accomplish in and through us. Did you know that? Do you believe that? And so I want to, to tell you this. I want us to realize and understand that I've got the power. So I've got a way I want you to remember this. I've got the power! Okay. All right. My wife didn't know that we were going to do that, and she's just shaking her head down here. So, <laughs> But that's the truth, friends. That's the truth. You've got the power. I've got the power. We have the power by the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what is this power? How, how, what kind of power does the Holy Spirit bring in our lives? So let's take a look at, at um, six different ways. The first is this, is the Holy Spirit brings the power, empowerment to witness, to witness. Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And this power enables them to be effective witnesses. Remember our definition of power, effectively functioning, effective witnesses, to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables us and gives us the message of truth, of salvation, to convey it effectively to others. Uh, there's a quote that I shared with you one time of uh, this, the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. Y'all, there's a reason we sit in this room. It's because someone gave us the, the good news one time. They shared that message with us. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do just that. Not by our own might, not by our own giftedness, but by his help in our lives to witness to the good news of Jesus. The second kind of power that we receive from the Holy Spirit is guidance and understanding. Uh, Jesus taught in John uh, 16 that the Holy Spirit will guide believers into all truth. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I sit and I go, what? 
I don't have a clue. What am I supposed to do? What, what is even true anymore? And yet the Holy Spirit comes and gives us guidance and understanding. Jesus, he assured the disciples and us that the Holy Spirit would teach us and remind us of everything that he said. The Holy Spirit brings understanding and insight into God's word so that we can make that connection between our, our head and our heart but also that we, not just grasping it for ourselves, but that then we would be able to clearly articulate the message of the good news to others as well. Now, the third way, a uh, third kind of power that the Holy Spirit brings to us is unity and fellowship. Uh, you know, there's nothing more that Satan wants for us uh, than to be uh, divided, for there to be division. Uh, and, uh, you know, we see that in our world, but how much more so it's true that Satan wants that within the church. Uh, God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help create in us unity among believers. Jesus, he prayed in John 17 that we would be one. But yet so often, what do we do? We go around and we keep trying to create division. But yet the Holy Spirit at work in us helps to bring about a unity unlike anything we've ever seen. If you look at the beginning of Acts, the church became one, right? And it was a beautiful thing that they had. And it's something that I long for us even today. We're not naturally inclined to these kind of, of, of relationship and fellowship and unity. Like we, we aren't just naturally inclined to do it. It's what we're created for. But yet it's the Holy Spirit at work in us that brings us about to love and to forgive and to share in a faith and a purpose all together, bringing about that unity and fellowship. So we've talked about empowerment to witness. We've talked about guidance and understanding, unity and fellowship. The fourth is spiritual gifts. Now, when you look around, we all don't look alike. I know that some of you wish you looked like me, but that's fine. And thankfully, it's on purpose that God and his wisdom doesn't make us all look the same, because here's the thing, is that each of us are uniquely gifted and when we're all together, we make a more fuller and more beautiful expression of God's church than we ever thought could be possible before. It's a wonderful thing. So we need each other. We need each other's spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon each of us. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, talks about the various spiritual gifts. He talks about wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and prophecy and so many more. And here's the thing, though, is that these gifts are used for us to equip believers for ministry. God gives us these gifts by the Holy Spirit for ministry. It's not just about the pastors doing ministry. It's the whole church together living into the fullness of the expression of what God has created each of us to be. But then it's not just about us. It's not just about this gift that I have. But it's that we use that gift for the edification of those around us. We build up the church, the body of Christ. All right, our fifth one is boldness and courage. Uh, there are situations and circumstances that we're going to find ourselves in as followers of Jesus that will require boldness and courage. And I said this first service, and I think it's so true. Y'all, the world's not going to get much better until Jesus returns, and he's welcome to come back this afternoon if he would like. The days to come are going to require us to have boldness and courage. 
This boldness and courage that we can muster up in ourselves isn't going to be enough. I look at the disciples and I think about a time that they should have had boldness and courage, right? When Jesus was arrested and what do they do? They fly for the hills. When the time comes that we need to stand, are we going to have boldness and courage in ourselves or are we going to rely on the Holy Spirit's boldness and courage in our lives? Because what you see is throughout the whole book of Acts and through the rest of the New Testament and the stories that, that have been passed down for generations as we hear the disciples, friends, after they receive the power of the Holy Spirit, boldness and courage times a million, right? The things that they, they went through for the sake of Jesus, but it wasn't on their own power and might, but it was on all because of God working in them through his Holy Spirit to overcome fear and oppression and persecution. And friends, that same spirit at work in their lives is the same spirit at work in our lives today. Finally, the kind of power that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives is transformation and sanctification. We were powerless to change. But now with the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he brings about in our lives the, the transformation for us to become more and more and more looking like the image of Jesus Christ. It's this process known as sanctification. It's a good church word, but it's basically the spirit at work in us to grow in us holiness and righteousness and maturity in Christ. The spirit then in our lives, if we've received the spirit, helps us to overcome our sinful tendencies and produce the fruit of the Spirit. Man, how I wish that I had more and more of the Holy I need more of the fruit of the Spirit every day, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, Lord, please. Because the thing is, is that sheer willpower will never bring about those things in our lives. We may dabble in them, but if you want lasting change, life change, if you want transformation, it happens by the Holy Spirit in us. And thank God that that process continues on until the day that it's brought to completion, as Paul tells us. That's the work of sanctification. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the Holy Spirit in all these ways is the source of divine. Remember that miraculous in our definition of power is that divine enablement in the lives of believers. It equips us to fulfill our purpose and to live out our faith, not just to the ends of the earth, but to the very end of our days. Brother in Christ, sister in Christ, did you know that that kind of power lives inside you? Did you know that kind of power lives inside you? It's a dynamite power that this world doesn't have and can't offer us. And we receive it by, by humbling ourselves, by repenting of our sin, and by trusting Jesus with our lives, our heart. So what God is calling us to is something greater than ourselves. And that's why he's given us the power through his Holy Spirit. And so how do we remember this? I've got the power! You've got the power. You've got the power. You've got the power. So what, what do we have this power to do? Well, it's to do the work that God has given us to continue to prepare the way of the kingdom of God. And when I look around and I look at how we're doing, I think there's a, a few people uh, that I could probably point to and say, man, they are about the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is clearly at work in their lives. 
But I'm not going to lie that it, it is challenging for me to look around and look at so many of us and, and go, man, I think that we're just content. I think we're content. I think we're comfortable with the way our lives are. And I'm going to be really honest. There's one word that comes to mind whenever I think about that, and it's boring. Boring. When Jesus has said that I've come to bring life and abundant life, why do we settle for boring? Why are we comfortable? Why are we content whenever the Holy Spirit has been given to us in awesome power? Friends, we've been given a power that most of us are just sitting on. I want you to look at what Jesus told his disciples, uh, and it's something that applies to us today. It comes from uh, John chapter uh, 14, verse 12. He said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And then get this. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. We're assuming a new role. A role that Christ has created us for and, in, and by his power and his might through the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do. Have you heard this before? Man, what a promise to hang on to. That's pretty cool. Not going to lie. Jesus did mighty works through the work of the Holy Spirit in him. And that same spirit is in us as well, enabling our frail and feeble selves to do even greater things for the kingdom of God. Jesus has given us a great adventure to participate in. The Holy Spirit is going to take us on the ride of a lifetime. A lifetime that, that isn't wasted. A lifetime that makes much of Jesus for God's glory. Now, I've shared this quote before, and I'm going to share it again because it's such a good one. But it's from A.W. Tozer. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. The Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church. 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And so my question is this, is whose power are we tapped into church? We look at the church gathered in the beginning of, of the ch chapters of the book of Acts and we see the wonderful, miraculous things that they were doing. Believers, they pulled their resources together. They made sure that their church met their budget and beyond because they wanted to make sure that there were no hindrances to the gospel going forth. They became the hands and the feet of Jesus by the power in them from the Holy Spirit to carry on the mission that Jesus had given them. The spirit that they had received as a gift was giving them the power to do things, to do even greater things than they thought ever were possible before. Do we desire to see and to do even greater things? Jesus promised it. And friends, we wait for his return in this long-awaited kingdom of God, but let's not miss out on the power, the dynamite power that we have available for us today. So we're gonna finish with just one simple prayer one simple prayer that I want you to pray this week. Lord, help me remember that I've got your power. There's going to be parts and situations that you're going to find yourself in this week. There are going to be moments when you need understanding. There's going to be that time that you need to be a witness to someone about what Jesus has done of his life and death and resurrection and what that means for your life and what that then means for their life. 
You're going to need that moment to gain some wisdom, to, to find a way to seek unity amongst yourselves. You're going to find that time that Jesus is saying, hey, that gift that I've given you, that spiritual gift, I want you to use it right now. There are going to be these times when we need to step out in boldness and courage this week. There's going to be times whenever we need to say, Jesus, I, I can't do this on my own. This what I need this change to happen in my heart. Lord, I can't do it, but I need your spirit to come and do it and do what only you can do. Friends, we need to pray and we need to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and remind us of the power that is available to us in the Holy Spirit, all because our King Jesus has ascended as the King of heaven. The kingdom's coming. Let's rest in his power now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you work in awesome ways, more than we desire, uh, than sometimes we desire, more than we deserve, absolutely. But Jesus, we thank you that as you assumed your role, your place in heaven, Lord, you've given us a new life and a new purpose. And so, Father, this morning, as we are gathered here in this place, and as we've heard your word, Lord, whatever walls we've built up that keep us from experiencing that power, Lord, I pray that you would break them down. Whatever chains are holding us back, Lord, I pray that you would break us free by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, it's not just about us, but Lord, you propel us forward. So God, this adventure that you have us on in this life and the things that you want to accomplish in this world, Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit in us would give us boldness and courage to step forward and to step into that life that you desire for us. Jesus, you tell us that we are going to do even greater things. And so, Father, with open arms, we're here ready, willing for what you want to do. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing a song of response together.